Welcome to an emergency episode of Say Who Say Pod. I think you have to call it that when it's not on the schedule. He's Danny O'Neill. I'm Christian Capel. And it hasn't been made official yet, but it should be within the next few minutes as we sit here monitoring Twitter. It's all but a done deal anyway. Uh, the University of Washington, and there it is. The Big Ten, in fact, just announced it, I see on Twitter. It's official. The University of Washington, along with the University of Oregon, are going to join USC and UCLA in the Big Ten next season. Danny, how does how does that hit you? How did that hit you this morning when uh, it was pretty obvious it was developing that way? So I woke up to news from John Canzano, as well as it was echoed by, I think, Ross Dellinger and Dan Wetzel of Yahoo, saying that there had been momentum building overnight toward the remaining nine members of the Pac-12 staying together. And I got excited about that. Not in a, oh, I think that this is best, but in a, oh, we're not going to abandon Washington State. And even if that means taking a, a sub a sub Big 12 deal, I think I preferred that to going to the Big 10. And right now I'm still in the midst of being really sad about the demise of the Pac-12 even if it's clearly in Washington's long-term financial interest to go to the Big Ten. So maybe it's a state of mourning. I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but I recognize the necessity, and I feel really, really bad. I feel sad that the Pac-12 is going, and I feel terrible that we're leaving the Cougs behind. All legitimate feelings, I think. Um, You know, I would imagine that Anamari Kausay, Washington's president, probably— shares some of those feelings, um, not just with regard to Washington State, but um, what's come up in, in some conversations that I've had is um, Stanford and California, you know, that and it's it's been a while now that I'd, I'd kind of heard that, you know, her her overall preference, I think, would have been to, to move the whole West Coast conglomerate over there. And there were some reports earlier this week that that was maybe under consideration, that Stanford and Cal were being looked at to maybe get the Big Ten to 20. Obviously, that hasn't materialized, and now they're kind of they're kind of left adrift uh, along with Washington State and Oregon State. Seems like just in the last half hour here, there's been more movement um, along the lines of Arizona, ASU, and Utah applying to the Big 12. So that uh, may very well be a done deal by the time... Um, by the time we we finish recording this even. So um, listen, I don't think anybody at the University of Washington would have said 14 months ago that they really want to be in the Big Ten. And I think that even after USC and UCLA left, if you told folks at Washington, folks at Oregon that, hey, the Pac-12 is going to come through with a media rights deal that's like on par with the Big 12 or a little better than the Big 12, that probably would have put them in a state of mind of, hey, let's try to keep the conference together and make it work then because all the things we've talked about before, CFP access and tradition and maintaining those relationships and collegiality and academically prowess and so on and so forth. Um, But I think once it became apparent that the Pac-12 just was not going to deliver a feasible media rights deal, this was really their only option. And I agree that it's not like it's not an amazing thing, right? Like it's not like USC had reason to think that this was like a soup, just an exciting moment. Like it was probably hard for them to leave the PAC 12 to some extent, but 
they're going to the Big Ten. They're ramped up as a program, right? They've recruited at a really high level through the transfer portal. They got the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. They were one win away from going to the playoff last year. They poached Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, and they're getting a full share in the Big Ten. So, you know, they kind of walk in the door, like, with every right to feel like they're they're a full member and they should be competitive right away with all these other schools. And I'm not saying Washington shouldn't feel that way, like in, on the football field, but uh, Matt Fortuna, my, fa- my my former colleague, reported just now that Washington's annual cut of the Big Ten's revenue distribution is expected to start at $30 million and grow by a million dollars each year through the length of the current deal. Then they'll get full shares um, in the next contract cycle in 2030, 2031. And that's not a great deal. Um, it's a lot less. Like the gap is going to still like ha- continue to grow between them and the rest of those Big Ten teams. It's a half share, but right? It certainly puts them in in better position than they would have been in the Pac-12. Is it a half share? Uh, that that feels like about half. It's hard to say because like the Big Ten's long form contract isn't finalized, and there's not total clarity on exactly what the payouts are going to be because they change. Like I know 65 million has been thrown out as an average, but I think it starts lower than that. It ends up between like 80 and 100 by the end of the, excuse me, by the end of the deal. So I don't know. I've, like I've seen all kinds of figures reported for the Big Ten deal. It's kind of hard to pin down, but I, that does feel like about 50 percent. And I'm, I don't have the opinion that Washington shouldn't have done this, right? Like I, I, I get that it's a, it's a bad situation to have to try to parse through. Um, what's happened in the last year reflects either a cratering or decline in the television dollars that were available that the Pac-12 couldn't get what the Big 12 got, like let alone the Big 10 and the SEC. It couldn't get what the Big 12 got. And either that reflects a change in the TV market, what what TV networks are willing to pay, or the attractiveness of the Pac-12 without USC and UCLA. Like I, I tend to think it's more of the TV market than it is the the viability of the conference, but it could very well be the viability of the conference. And this is a reflection of the large geographic footprint. It's a bummer. And there's a little bit of, okay, we tried to hold it together and Washington and Oregon aren't as the tent pole schools aren't capable of doing that. And so they're going to go to the, the, the big 10 with and kind of get the Big Ten kids meal while everybody else gets their adult shares. And I, I recognize that that's probably the best alternative, but it's still, man, it's a bummer. And there's no Pac-12. Like, there's no Pac-12. That's, it that's sucks. Hard to get your head around. It sucks, man. It does. And I've spent a chunk of today interacting online, probably too much time interacting, especially on Twitter, and there's a little bit of me that I feel like the old man raging against the dying of the light in which I'm like, just because this is the direction everything is going doesn't mean you have to just sign up and say, well, it's inevitable. So got to go hose your neighbors like it's lame what's happening to Washington State. And it's not like Washington is the one that started this, but they're they're doing it like they're. They they're they're acting in their own self interest at the cost of the Cougs, and that sucks. It it does. Like it's there. Once it became obvious that there was no legit deal to be had in the Pac-12, and, and let's be honest, 
the Pac-12 wasn't going to be the Pac-12 regardless because mm-hmm. is it the Pac-12 without USC and UCLA? So once it became obvious there was no like legit deal there, there was no longer a good outcome. Like I don't, I don't know that I see this as a good outcome. It's the best outcome, so it's one that that people are gonna celebrate and be happy about, and you know maybe be more relieved than anything else. But it's it's not a, just an it's not like this overall awesome thing, right? Like a lot of people are are gonna be mourning the death of the Pac-12 for a while, and. It's going to be tougher competitively, although, gosh, the league's at 18 teams, so you're going to miss half of them. So, you know, how, how what, what combination of the big boys are they going to see every year? And are they going to be – I'm really interested to see the schedule. Are they going to be guaranteed to play USC, UCLA, and Oregon every season? I would, I would think so. I would, you know, I would kind of hope so. I think that would be very strange to – take four teams from the Pac-12 and not have them guaranteed to play each other every year. But um, I I will say, I mean, this doesn't immediately, like, solve their financial issues short term. I think the budget is going to continue to be an issue, but at least this guarantees a future where they can count on, like, a, a big, fat media rights distribution. They can... They can budget for it. They know what they're budgeting for now. Put it that way. Like they know what the number is going to be. They know what they can expect. Uh, it's going to be in writing. They're going to have a contract, and they can at least they can plan. And for the last year, they didn't have that. And and, and they were they went from expecting this slam dunk increase in TV revenue for this next Pac-12 cycle pre USC and UCLA leaving. To having no clue what it was going to be and spending the last year having to, to try to forecast their finances without any idea what that number was. And then the number comes in and it's based on subscription growth. And that's a, I think there's kind of quietly a thought that that Apple deal is actually like pretty, pretty interesting and like pretty innovative. And maybe it's it's going to be viewed as like ahead of its time. Um 10 years down the road when everything's streaming or whatever. But right now when the big brands are all playing on linear television all the time, even though they're streaming involved and, you know, Washington's one game that's on a, you know, exclusively on a streaming platform this year is through the big tens deal. So obviously like they're streaming in the big 10, but um, I, I think that there, there is some thought that like, yeah, this, you know, if you hit the subscription numbers, like this could be, this could be a really cool, innovative deal. And like, there's all kinds of respect for Apple as a company. And they know that they'd put on like awesome broadcasts and it'd be a great like viewer experience for the people you could actually get in the door. But um, it's something that, that came up with a few different people I talked to was DirecTV and how the Pac 12 was really counting on its fans to go to bat against DirecTV and step up. And remember, there was the whole campaign about cancel your service, call them, complain, switch providers. They wanted to put pressure on them because they didn't, first of all, didn't have a major network partner to put pressure on them. Yep. And it, it didn't work because Pac-12 fans just aren't passionate like that. Yeah, l- let me... Okay, that's... You're right about that. Like, there's the question of passion. I'd also like to offer sort of one one counterpoint to that, though, because the the Pac-12 was asking fans sports fans some of whom have direct tv because it gave them access to sunday ticket right to choose pac 12 network which is 
second and third tier games, football games, and more basketball games ahead of the Cadillac NFL offering. Like I, I, I get, I get sort of the the general the Pac-12 fans weren't so passionate that they were able to pressure DirecTV into doing that. But I also would say that there is room to tell the Pac-12 commissioner and presidents who thought that was going to happen that they're freaking delusional. And no smart conference would ask it, would count on its fans quitting an NFL offering to force that cable, that, that pay TV, that satellite company to, to improve their offer. Like there's a little bit of hubris that's there. Just a little bit. I was going to say you you wouldn't dare connect the word hubris to Larry Scott, would you? No, well, I would say this: like if you're going to look for the fatal three moments in in this Pac-12 in the Pac-12's demise, two of arrogance and one of ignorance. Both of the arrogant sins get laid at Larry Scott's feet. The first one was building the Pac-12 network on their own, saying like we don't we don't need a television partner. Which, by the way, could have pressured Directv. Instead, you're you're out there all alone, so you don't have any anybody's anybody's muscle to help you with that. Like that's that's the first one. The second arrogant, and maybe this isn't even so much on 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 Larry Scott, but the arrogance of that that reign is when the Big Twelve loses Texas and Oklahoma, and the Pac-12 is like, yeah, we don't we don't really need to to merge with you like we've still got usc and ucla we're still a cut above it sucks that you guys lost your two tent poles but we're going to be just fine thanks and then the the third one is the one of ignorance which is that not knowing that usc and ucla were going to flee out the back door because if if the conference had known that was going to happen it might have been possible to head it off if they if they had been able to get the jump on them like usc and ucla kept that very quiet in large part because they did not want California politics to get involved and and the UC regents. But the ignorance of that is, like that trifecta, I think, is what doomed the conference. Yeah, I think that's fair. I will say, like, USC and UCLA leaving was the last thing that, that wasn't really held against George Klyovkov. I feel like that was the... I'm not saying that what's what happened today doesn't trace back to Larry Scott. I think a lot of stuff traces back to Larry Scott, but but I do think that um, once USC and UCLA left, it was like okay, George is officially on the clock now. He's been on the job for a year, but he's officially on the clock now that USC and UCLA have led the conference, and like it's going to take some hustle and ingenuity to, to ensure that the league continues existing with the remaining ten members plus whoever else. So. I don't know, man. How do you think San Diego State's feeling right about now? Well, so I've been thinking about a, a couple different things. I think San Diego State's known about this for quite some time, right? Like they've they've understood that the Pac-12, what was left of the Pac-12, didn't have a a deal that was that was good enough when they didn't opt out, right? Like that whole waffling period, they they had to know that, like, okay, it's not. It's not a done deal that the Pac-12 is going to secure an offer that's capable of getting us in with them. I, I I would think I I think the schools have have understood that this is where things are headed for much longer than we have, and you've just had a lot of people trying to put their best sort of stiff upper lip 
and maintain optimism because it was the only shot they had of being able to 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 keep everybody together. That I, I I think it's been pretty dire for a couple months now. Yeah, it's it's strange. Like there was a time when it kind of and we talked about it on the podcast and it turned out to be dead wrong where we we kind of started to feel like signs were pointing toward the league staying together and getting a deal. And I still would not that it really matters anymore. Well, I mean, it matters. I, I, I would love to get some sort of explanation from George Klyovkov as to what the source of his confidence and optimism was at media day and whether he was just completely full of it. Was it, was it just total bluster for the sake of bluster? Which do you side on? I, it just, it's, it makes no sense that you would get up and talk that way. <laughs> If you didn't have like numbers in front, he's talking. I'm thinking, oh, they know way more than the rest of us know. They he knows, right? He knows it's it's uh, it's close. They're getting there. He's so confident. No one's leaving for the Big Twelve. Surely that's because presidents have have pledged their allegiance to him. Um, <laughs> no, no, not true. Colorado's departure was imminent. He was completely clueless and. The he, he had he had no linear option. There, do you, do you know that there's no linear option on this this Apple deal? Um, it's all streaming. With so, one thing I heard was maybe a provision for bars and restaurants to like air it via satellite or something. So that part doesn't really surprise me. Here's the surprise that I had when we talked a few months ago. I thought. Okay, if they went all streaming, if they went for the Apple TV package that was there, that that would be the route to get the most money. That you could maybe get 35 or 40 million dollars per school because Amazon and Apple are looking for a wedge to get into to become sort of actual rivals of ESPN and and, and Fox, like to ba- break into the big leagues of of, of pay TV sports programming. I thought you could get more money that way, but worried that by sacrificing the exposure, like that it wouldn't be worth it to you. You might be able to get more cash, but not having your best games available on linear television is going to hurt your exposure to the point where you're like, yeah, we just, we can't, we can't do that. Um, the fact that it is an all streaming, like you're, that Apple TV is getting all of that, which is a huge edge for them, right? Like that, that's going to make, it doesn't, it's not even someone like me who's, I'm going to buy the Pac-12 pretty much no matter what cable programming it's on, like I'll find it. it that would make it even casual Pac-12 fans would be more inclined to buy it. Like that's a huge edge for them. And even that didn't get them up to what the Big 12 got. I was like, oh man, that's, that's just reflective of a brutal TV market. I'm not convinced that Klyavkov was incompetent here. Like, I think he very well might have made, played it the best he could, and the money just was not there. Without USC and UCLA, and and given the the what Fox and ESPN and NBC and other broadcast companies are, are facing with, with programming, that the money just wasn't there. So um, part of Anamari Kausay's official statement in the announcement that Washington put out here in the past uh, few minutes, 
She says, we are proud of our rich history with the Pac-12 and for more than a year have worked hard to find a viable path that would keep it together. I have tremendous admiration and respect for my Pac-12 colleagues. Ultimately, however, the opportunities and stability offered by the Big Ten are unmatched and perhaps the most newsworthy portion. Even with this move, we remain committed to the Apple Cup and to competing with WSU across all of our sports. And so I think we already kind of knew that. But the question is, yeah, will will Wazoo be similarly motivated to continue that rivalry? I, I think ultimately it's what the fans are going to want, but we'll see. There is a – I'm curious. I mean, Jen Cohen and Pat Chun are, are very – close they're good friends and and respect each other and um have a good relationship and i you know i wonder if that helps kind of heal this or if this development leads to some sort of uh some sort of fracture there i wouldn't blame i i i i'm sorry to the kooks like i feel bad about what's happening um and i also kind of want to acknowledge that like Washington is acting in its own naked self-interest. I understand why, but that's also at Washington state's expense. And like saying you're sorry for something that you're doing anyway, feels kind of weird. Cause you're basically just like, yeah, I'm going to do it, but I feel bad about it. Um, I don't know how the Cougs will feel like if they decided like, no, we're not going to play you in football. We're not going to play you in all of these other sports. Like, honestly, I kind of get that. Like, I'm still Team Romar from the grudge against Gonzaga. Like, I, 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 there's, there's something to be said for sort of creating a new boundary and saying, I'm, I'm not going to let you leave us to the, to the wolves. Cause I don't really care what happens to Cal and Stanford. <laughs> I, and that's probably a reflection of geography and, and, and different things. I do care what happens to the Cougs and the Beavs. And, I don't see a great landing spot for them. I I think they're probably headed for like the non-power five tier. I don't I don't see a landing spot for them in the Big Twelve, and that's a bummer. Unless they want to go Super Conference too, and then put the ball in the ACC's court. Um, <laughs> I, well, they're going to have to talk to Florida State first. Florida yeah. State wants to bail on them. Florida, Do you see that? Florida State now raising equity like a startup, dude. <laughs> there are a few things that happen where I'm just like, how can you do that as an amateur, like a purported amateur sports operation? Florida State announced that it's contracted with J.P. Morgan Chase to look at funding sources from private equity. Like, I mean, they haven't talked about negotiating with Saudi Arabia yet, but this is the ballpark that that sort of stuff happens. Yeah, incredible. I, on Wazoo, don't you think once the dust settles, they're going to want an annual crack at the elitist rival who left them? I hope so. I don't know. I mean, I honestly think ultimately the game will be valuable enough to them and having the ability to to be the upstart. Colorado State and Colorado still play each other, right? Like that's, yeah, that's Iowa and Iowa State. Yeah, like it it happens. It stinks. Um, and I don't. I kind of don't want to expect like how they'll feel because it feels like. 
I make a lot of jokes about the Cougs and being little brother and those sort of things. And and am a patronizing, annoying Husky fan. I don't want to be patronizing and annoying here. Like I want to, I want to be respectful. Um, which is probably why I ended up tweeting out something that's got a bunch of people pissed, and then now I'm pissed at them because I was like, every UW fan should apologize profusely to any Wazoo fan they encounter. What is happening to the Cougs is wrong and abominable. I can understand what UW's underlying logic, but the Huskies should feel absolutely awful about what our self-interest does to the Cougs. Like, I, I, do, I do feel that way. Um, I don't think that Washington is guilty of starting all of this, but they're they're going along with the game and acting in their own self-interest, and that stinks. Yeah, I guess I just the question would be what would you what would you rather do? What would you rather them do? B- because whether you realize it or not, I would contend that you Part of the reason you enjoy Husky football is because during your formative years, you watched them win a lot of games. Mm-hmm. And the likelihood of them ever being that kind of program again is kind of non-existent if they didn't make this move, right? Or at least like the the chips would be stacked against them. Now you could say if the fan base shows up and if they win and if, 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 Maybe they push that number into the mid-30s on that Apple deal, and it's worth it. And they hit, and, you know, the Pac-12 is first in the door with Apple, and it ends up being really lucrative for them. And, you know, maybe there's a maybe there's a fan fiction alternate history to, to be written where the Apple deal takes off. But um, I don't know. Like, I – and not to keep going back to this. I, I do think there's some there was some intrigue there where it's like, you know, something like that might work in the SEC – or the Big Ten, where you know, you can count on fans to really show up, and like maybe that's sort of the way. The I think even people who who will tell you they don't want a, a majority streaming deal for recruiting purposes still recognize that it's the way that this is going. For and sure, it's yes, gonna, it's going to be streaming in the future. But as of right now, you know, our our recruits or our parents or families or whatever all going to shell out 20 bucks to watch maybe a couple Pac-12 games. Yes. I think the issue is is that yes, the Big 10 and the SEC could thrive in a deal like this, but that's also why they would command 50 to 100% more bottom line money from a deal like this. I don't know if the Big 12 right now would be able to get a bit better deal than the Pac-12 got. And if they did, then that's a reflection that the Pac-12 is even less appealing than I thought it was. Um, I don't have a great like. What would I rather have them do? I, I don't have I don't have a great answer for that because like, if Colorado had stayed and you take the the Apple deal and you see how it goes, like that's that's a path. I don't think that is more likely to allow you to keep pace with Big Ten SEC conferences. But I also see the downside of this path to the Big Ten, which people aren't talking about. And the downsides are you're going in as a junior member to a conference where you're a geographic outlier, and there is the possibility that the nuclear winner that you just experienced in your negotiation for television rights 
is going to come to the Big Ten. And if it does, the next time this meteorites carousel goes on, like who do you think is going to get hosed? It's going to be you. And there's a scenario here where I know that Washington fans look at it and say like, okay, it's going to be Michigan and Ohio State and USC, and those are the cream of the, but we're right there in that next tier. It's us and it's Oregon and maybe Michigan State because Michigan State's better at basketball. There's also a scenario where you become Nebraska. There's also a scenario where you don't distinguish yourself from Iowa, which by the way, has a much better men's basketball program than you do. Like there's, there are ways not to mention all of the different, I don't know if this is going to be a benefit and how it's going to impact some of the other Olympic sports. I think it'll help. Like the dogs are going to be great in softball, but how, how is this going to work in, in women's basketball? Like there, there are, there are a lot of things that we don't know and the tendency now when you're going to something new is to look at the rosiest forecast for what it's going to be like for Washington in the Big Ten. And the truth is that there are there are paths here that don't play out well for Washington. Yeah, I, I th- that's definitely, I mean, one of the primary, like over the last several months when you're weighing, hey, if the Big Ten offered, would they be better off? They were better off in the Pac-12. Setting the numbers aside, I mean, that was always a big consideration. The CFP auto bid, I think, was a big deal, and it seems like that was Oregon's focus. Like, as long as you feel like you can hold nine or ten Pac-12 teams together and you've got an automatic bid if you win the conference to the playoff, then it's worth it to try to make it work. I think Washington committed itself to that a long time ago um, also. And I kind of went... I bought that, um, that that was probably the better option. But if the Pac-12 wound up being just the nine after Colorado left and added whatever, San Diego State and SMU, ESPN and the other conferences, especially the SEC, could have easily set up the playoff after the these these next two years of the contract, you know, post-2025, to to cut them out or to make it a lot harder for the Pac-12 champions, to make it so that just winning the Pac-12 might actually not be enough. Maybe there's only auto bids for the top four ranked conference champions, and your your odds of being one of those top four ranked conference champions of out of the Pac-12 was lower or something. So I don't know. I, I, I do think long-term, and this is another thing that kind of came up as I spoke with people this week, the idea that staying together now my, maybe there was a world where staying together now made sense financially. But another consideration was where are they going to be at five years from now? Right? They, they could be right back at the table, right back in the same situation with all the, the vultures circling and speculation about the conference dying and renewed talks with the Big Ten or the Big 12 with this team or that team. And I think that, you know, the, the future and just secure, securing that stability now and securing your future now instead of just putting on a Band-Aid and doing it all over again in five years or, or six years or whatever the, the term uh, on that, that Apple deal might have been, uh, um, it, I, I, think, I think that probably weighed into this too. Yeah, I, I think that's true. You can, you can also make the point, though, that playing for time might be to your advantage. Like it, it, it could be that in the next five or six years, all of the disparities worsen and become grow larger and and it's, it's a much 
it's a bigger problem. If streaming was the way of the future, and if pay television, like linear cable, is on the verge of collapse, you might also be in a situation where five or six years from now, the Pac-12 and what's left, like that incarnation of it, is on more solid footing. And it's the Big Ten that's overextended, and ESPN isn't able to fulfill all of its contract payments and you see some of the the, I know it's impossible for people to think about like the the TV money drying up but we are seeing it in baseball like there are regional sports networks that are not paying the baseball teams the money that they promised them like there's so I I get what I I recognize what you're saying Christian and would say that you're probably right but there's like the 30 or 40 percent chance on the other side that making that switch now means you go through your nuclear winter first and are actually in better position when everybody else starts suffering. But I don't know, man. Like, it, it's just, we, we like to characterize these sort of huge decisions as there's a clear right or wrong. And the reason is when you have a tough decision, it's because there's no clearly superior alternative. Like, you're forced to choose between choices like two options that each have risk and downsides attached to them. There was no, there was no good outcome. There was no positive outcome. There, there was just the best outcome and that's what this is. And some that's life, right? You're just, you're, you're, you're Chris Peterson likes to say you're always just trading, trading problems. Yeah. Have you ever seen sin of a woman? It's the movie with Al Pacino. <laughs> I'm familiar with with Al Pacino's catchphrase from it, but I, I haven't seen it, no. So at the end of the movie, the, the basic, the subplot of it is that Al Pacino is a blind former army officer, a colonel, Colonel Slade, um, and he is assigned a babysitter for the weekend, played by Chris O'Donnell. And Chris has seen three of his rich classmates deface the dean's car. The dean is asking him to snitch and offering him a scholarship in exchange for it. Chris O'Donnell's like a young kid from Oregon, and he decides he's not going to snitch, even though like one of the other rich kids, his dad is going to make him snitch. <laughs> and they get to the disciplinary hearing, and and young Chris O'Donnell's character's name, I believe, is Charlie, is is out there and doesn't have anybody with him. The colonel comes in to to support him, and. The sort of the climax of the movie is is Pacino just going nuts about um, you, you're raising a rat ship here because <laughs> I don't know who went to this place. William Jennings Bryant, William Taft, William Tell. They're dead. They are gone. Their spirit, if they ever had one, has left us. What you are raising is a generation of rats. See, going snitches. And I feel that that is exactly what has happened in college football right now is that we have like engineered a scenario in which everybody is acting in their own self best interest and it's screw your neighbor who cares what happens to the Cougs because they do it to you you got to go to the Big Ten even if they end up going to the Mountain West and nobody's like stopping to say like why are we doing all of this like why is so we can give TV networks what they want like, does anybody see the potential long-term problems with that? Because there are a lot of them. Because what if the TV networks start to run out of money? We're going to have a sport 
that is entirely choreographed to their needs and their tastes because we were so addicted to their money that we stopped looking at things that make geographic sense, organizational sense, the tradition and rivalry, which is actually what makes college football what I love the most as a sport, like makes me most passionate. Like, just get rid of that because Fox is going to give Big Ten the money and then eventually it's going to go, even if you're getting your junior Happy Meal right now, Washington, you'll eventually get a full share. And I I get that you're. it's hard to stand up in that and say, like, I'm not doing it. Screw you all. Forget it. But there's part of me that really wants Washington to be the team that stood up and said, this is all a bunch of, what a crock of shit this is. Why in the hell are we going to go along with this? Why would we leave Washington? Why would we go play in a conference that includes freaking Maryland and Rutgers? What kind of sense does that make? But See, I know that I think that's unrealistic. I, I think that was the instinct, though. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I think. I truly think that they they pursued every viable path possible to stay in the Pac-12. Now, that doesn't mean they weren't also getting their ducks in a row with the Big Ten all along. Because <laughs> ducks you do in what a you row, do. I see what you did there. You got to prepare for. Oh, <laughs> I, uh, that was unintentional. I almost feel like we should cut that out because I. <laughs> no, I, it's great. A, that's a bad pun if it's on purpose. Um, I, I, you know, you do what you got to do and you prepare for every contingency. But like I. I will make I will perhaps make the mistake George Klyovkov made and take a Pac-12 president at their word when they <laughs> say when Anamari Kause says that they did explore every viable path. I I really think it was just these last again obviously discussions were ongoing. It's not like they had no contact with the Big 10 or anything. I'm not suggesting that. We know that's not true. But I really do think it was only in these last 24 to 48 hours where it became fully apparent the Pac-12 is not viable. You must go to the Big Ten. I think they turned over every rock. And, you know, if the Big Ten had come with an invite and really pursued them six months ago, does that does that mean they wouldn't have gone? I don't think so. But I think that in in the absence of that, they really did turn their focus to, to try to make the Pac-12 work. That's fair. I realize it I'm just, being an it, unrealistic idealist and... I, I get that. I'm just sad, man. <laughs> My conference yeah, like, it is just dying. sucks. It does. It just sucks. It sucks. Um, and like, you you just gotta sit in it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like baseball players say, like you just gotta wear it. Like, yeah. You just gotta go up there and wear it. That's fair. Um, in in a a lighter note, this was suggested by Jim Parsons um, on the dang apostrophe. What's the Pac-12 going to run during its its conference advertisements during telecasts this year? <laughs> it's going to be um it's, it's going to be just like all clips of Wazoo and Stanford. Uh, just because we're laughing doesn't mean it's funny. No, it, there's there's got to be some gallows humor here. Like it's the only um, way you're going to get through it. At what point do you start to get excited about seeing Washington in a in a, a conference with some different conference opponents about that's the thing that there's not going to be annual games against all these teams like it's it, it, that's what's so weird about being in a super conference like in the Pac-12 yeah, you're going to miss two teams but you always knew that it was going to be two teams from the other division and of course they got rid of divisions and we didn't get to see how they were going to handle the schedule post divisions but um 
I I don't know, like uh, as you envision seeing Washington against Iowa or Indiana or Northwestern or we we were having a, a brief conversation at practice yesterday. Some of us, just some of us reporters about, okay, what are the best road trips in the Big Ten? And I wonder at what point like you start to maybe try to try to look a little bit on the bright side and, and think about some of those new experiences that that are going to be involved with Husky football. I'll let you know when it happens. Maybe when I go to I was just going to say Michigan State. Maybe. I don't know, man. I'm not sure. Um, I don't feel that way right now. Maybe it'll kick in. And I'm probably the outlier here because I think, I, think, I think more people are understandably, like it's understandable if you're like more excited because there is a sense of relief here. Like, this isn't the doomsday scenario for the future of Washington football that staying in a West Coast conference that Colorado decided to dump would be. But it's it's hard for me to it's hard for me to see excitement right now or feel that way. Yeah. Who uh as the scent of a woman there. Who uh who who do you who do you lay this at the feet of? I, and and I'm I'm not gonna let you just say Larry Scott. Yeah. Um. Honestly, I lay it at the feet of USC and UCLA. Like, I I say that that their their decision to to bolt in the dead of the night is what undid the conference. It survives without that. Um. It's hard to criticize either of them for doing that when Washington is doing a version of the same thing. It's not as destabilizing. Like, it's kind of the final knife. It's, it's, the, it's the final jab of the knife instead of the first one, but it's, it's, the, same, it's the same act. Um, but, yeah, I would say I, I, I blame USC and UCLA. Mm. See, but don't, don't you have to then go all the way back and blame the Big Ten? No, because I think I think you're given a choice of whether you like. What happens when a couple cheats? Like when someone in a couple cheats, like do you blame the person they're cheating with, or do you blame the person that cheated? In my mind, it's the person who cheated. Like that's you made the decision to step. It's not that someone else decided to sleep with a married person or someone that had a partner. Um, you're you're the one that decided to do that. Like I, I expect the Big Ten to be predatory. I I, I expect USC and UCLA to have morals and a sense of, a, a a sense of camaraderie or respect for the schools that have been its peers, for, I mean, a hundred years. So no, I I blame them. I don't. The Big Ten did what I thought the Big Ten was going to do. I don't blame Clay Bennett for buying the Sonics and moving them. I blame Howard Schultz for selling them. Yeah, I. It's funny. It's so funny you mentioned the Sonics. Like I, I was thinking, I remember Bob Condota um, wrote on his blog, the famous Husky football blog back in the day, after the Sonics left, um, kind of breaking down. He, you know, he 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 grew up watching the Sonics and grew up a big Sonics fan and obviously followed that saga really closely. And he, I, I, I specifically remember 
this post he wrote that kind of started out like, look, my son asked me, you know, so whose fault is this that the Sonics are leaving? And he kind of laid it out like, well, it occurred to me it's really it's really not any one person, right? It's Howard Schultz for selling them. It's Clay Bennett and Aubrey McClendon for being a couple of underhanded crooks. It's Greg Nichols, the the mayor at the time. It's the Seattle City Council. It's It's the NBA. It's David Stern. Like, it's... The list was long, right? No one person can cause a city to lose an NBA franchise, and no one person kills the Pac-12. I, I was going to say, if you lay it on the at the feet of Larry Scott, and certainly he's you know he's probably no, culprit number one. You, you have to put some fault on the university presidents. They hired him. They enabled him. They sat idly by and a- approved decisions he made that that killed them the pac-12 network and the promises he told about uh the revenue that were w- was never realized and the failure of, of getting it on direct tv launching a network that you weren't certain the largest satellite carrier was going to pick up and cutting out the athletic directors completely you know because because what do they know about running an athletic department relative to a university president and you know, I'd, I'd heard that a little bit, too, um, you know, at least during this media rights negotiation process with, with George Klyovkov. So, you know, there's a lot of mystery there. And, you know, I just I think that you had presidents who, you know, Michael Crow at Arizona State was Larry Scott's biggest enabler. I think everybody kind of knows that he was gung ho on the network and he was he was always in Larry's corner. Um and you had a you had a handful of presidents who I think just didn't care or were not present, you know, didn't care to to be super involved in athletics, and you know this is what you get. And, and now, in one of those, Gene Block, the chancellor of UCLA, like th- his school doesn't get punished. He doesn't get punished. They're they're in the Big Ten. They got out right. So these presidents who were such apathetic leaders and did so little to hold the conference commissioner to account. Um, it it they are also responsible and they will not ever be made to be accountable for it yeah i i i agree with everything you just said and at some point in our past state legislatures would have been strong enough to stop this and you're talking about mostly public institutions but they're not because the money's too big now and college athletic departments operate on their own and you can insert all of your like late stage capitalism assessment of exactly what is going on here but yeah yes every one of the i i agree with that the 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 university presidents completely enabled what was clearly a clown show under Larry Scott and their hubris and the reason like the we won't consider Boise state crap of the past year and the we we don't need to talk to the big 12 about expanding because we're not we don't need to lower ourselves that way after they lose their two lynch like all of those things are part of it it's a it's a wild day i'm i'm i will say i'm glad it finally like happened and the the back and forth will they or won't they roller coaster of this morning gave way to uh, a good bit of certainty after too long it's just you know what it's nice that it's done and there's still uncertainty around the rest of the Pac-12, but at least for Washington's purposes, man, like those first two fall camp practices were interrupted by realignment news. 
and now it's over and we can just focus on football, focus on covering the season, focus on uh, what should be uh, an exciting, unfortunately, last year for the Pac-12 as we know it. I don't want to say that the Pac-12 brand is totally dead because who knows what idea they'll come up with with whatever schools are still existing and playing FBS football on the West Coast. But um, this is a uh, this is a farewell tour this year. So I'll I'll uh, I'll let you get going. Danny, this this was an emergency podcast. We do have other things going on today, such as they are. But uh, I don't I don't know. I I it's exciting for a lot of people. It's it's sad for a lot of people. It's exciting and sad for a lot of people at the same time. It's a it's a weird thing to try to process. I'm just sad, Christian. Well, we'll put you in the just sad category. I am then. I am Jack's sprained enthusiasm. <laughs> I am Jack's hurting uh, history genes. If uh, if Danny spoke to your sadness or to your excitedness, uh, feel free to, to rate the podcast. We're nearing 200, getting closer with every episode. Ratings on Apple Podcasts. Go ahead and write a review if you feel so compelled. Um, you can hear us on Spotify as well. But uh, check out onmontlake.com. Check out the dang apostrophe. We'll talk to you next week.